Rise Up. Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ballin' show. Todd Brooks back again for another episode. Todd, my friend, what's crack-a-lackin'? Hey, everything's good so far today. Uh, Braves in the NLCS for the first time in 19 years. Mix Looking it up. Looking forward to it. Yeah, glad they have a weekend off and get ready for Monday against uh, either the Dodgers or Pod. I don't know what the score of the uh, Dodgers game is right now, but I'm thinking the Dodgers. It's more than likely going to be the Dodgers. And uh, you know what? I actually think they do match up well against the Dodgers. We could save that for another time, but uh, it's going to be a good one. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying – Anybody out there listening, want to get a group together, let's uh, put the face mask on. Let's ride. Let's go out <laughs> to Arlington. Um, anyway, uh, the Falcons are uh, 0-4 currently, and they are looking ahead to playing Carolina, which is a division – I guess you could call it a rival. A, a division, oh, it's definitely a rival. A, a divisional rival um, on a short week. And uh, the the Panthers are scrappy, and so um, what do you got for us? What do you what, what do you think? What are you looking at this week? Okay, so I mean, I guess the main thing that I'm looking at is anything can happen in a rivalry game. I mean, the Falcons really have two chief rivals in their division: Carolina being one, and then the New Orleans Saints being the other one. And there's some debate on which rivalry is the better one. Is it the Carolina Panthers or is it the New Orleans Saints? I've always really enjoyed the Carolina Panthers rivalry, more because the Falcons have won that far more often than they have with New Orleans, especially in recent history. But uh, some of the stats for the game, like, you know, as far as, like, history of the teams, like, they kind of surprised me a little bit. I did not realize that Carolina is only 18-32 against our Falcons. So, there is still hope. Wow. Yeah. For that game. For that game, anyway. Yeah. That is – But the record going – No, that – I would not have guessed 18 and 32 because, you know, the Panthers have always been a tough out in my estimation. You know, the Luke Keekleys and obviously Cam Newton and and that nature. But the Falcons always seem to be up when the the Panthers are down. I guess that's kind of, you know, how rivalries rivalries work in your division especially. Right. um yeah, the Falcons will be up and then the Panthers will be down and, you know, flip and vice versa. But they was, you know, it's never been an easy one. I remember the one of my favorite memories, we talked about Falcons memories in the past, is one of my favorite plays, I guess, would be, you know, Julio going up and mossing uh, Luke Keekley on a 80-yard touchdown. Um, that was pretty spectacular. And what is, what's even more spectacular if you get down even farther into that play is, Luke Keekley's like 40 or 50 yards down the field with Julio. So, I mean, that's he, – he's incredible. But, anyway, he's not there anymore. So, um, how how good is this defense, though? Like – The Carolina Panthers defense, they're actually pretty good. That's All right, I mean. so they're ranked 12th in total offense in the NFL, and they're ranked 11th in total defense. So, you've got a lot of balance there between the two. Yeah, and then this is uh, Matt's Matt Rule's first um, first job as a head coach in the NFL. Is that correct? Where's he? Where did he come from? That is correct. It's he was from Baylor. He coached for Baylor, Baylor last year. The Baylor Bears. Baylor Bears. 
So, and then, so Teddy B, uh, Teddy Two Gloves is their quarterback, and he's been, um, he's surprisingly been not that bad. Uh, he's always been a little no, dangerous. No. He's been dangerous with his legs, um, but his completion percentage has been good. So, I don't know. It's, they, they, people yeah, have he's wrote, right at 73%. Yeah. I mean, people wrote them off, and I wrote them off when I thought the Falcons were decent. As, you know, they're not going – I mean, I've been on the airwaves clearly before and said they're not going anywhere fast. And uh, I was wrong. The Falcons aren't going anywhere fast. And the Panthers seem to be, you know, gritting it together and playing for their coach and, 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 and playing well with, with, with each other, I guess. Yeah. I mean, last year – you know, the Panthers, after Cam Newton left town and everything, and I kind of you thought Cam Newton was going to do with Carolina anyway, but I really thought Carolina was going to be down this year. But I really like Joe Brady as, as a hire for the offensive coordinator because he had such a, a good season last year as a passing game coordinator for LSU. Yep. But I didn't think it would take off in one year, and they hired Matt Rule to be their head football coach. And then they have Teddy Bridgewater, you know, kind of a outcast of the NFL. You know, he started off with Minnesota, tore his ACL, um, it was kind of put on backup status, did actually start a couple of games for the Saints last year when Drew Brees went down mm-hmm. for a couple of games and had some success. And then uh, this year, he's so far he's passed for uh, 1,147 yards on the season. He's averaging about 304 passing yards a game. That's a legit and, and, that's not like oh throw him in there, Taysom Hill, you know, run him around a little bit. No, that's a legit starting quarterback, starting mm-hmm. caliber could actually pick him up on your fantasy team caliber uh, player. And that's, and I've been wrong about him this year. He has definitely proved me wrong. Cause I thought he was, you know, like I said, like you said, trash heap kind of guy. And you're just going to patch him together. The Kirk cousins, the, you know, there's a list of guys that are kind of right there, kind of a B list kind of quarterbacks, but uh, you know, he's, he's definitely proved to be a starting caliber quarterback, especially in, um, that's this type of team, like was like you said, Joe Brady. But Robbie Anderson is their number one receiver, and uh, they've got a couple guys that could really, really hurt you. But uh, Rob, I, this is I picked up Robbie Anderson on uh, fantasy football, just following the Falcons. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. He's yeah. bound to score. At 45 least. points for you this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yards, but y- yards after catch and all that stuff, man. I I, I think uh, uh, this game, uh, like you said, what makes you the most nervous about this game, I mean, I don't know about most nervous, but the thing to look out for, because I probably used to stop using that language, but the thing to look out for to, oh, for against the Panthers is, you said it earlier, is balance. And when, and when teams are balanced, the Falcons have a hard time figuring out what's coming next because uh, Aaron Rodgers, I know they weren't exactly balanced, but they were balanced in their play selection. If you could call it that of mixing it up. So when there's confusion defensively, the Falcons just fall apart. And so I think uh, when you have two, two backs, sometimes even a third back that can run the ball effectively and you got a couple wide receivers and Teddy B can stretch the pocket and, and, and run. I think mm-hmm. you're going to be playing a lot of, you know, you know uh, there's going to be some confusion with the Falcons, you know, and I, Teddy B might have 
a legit – you might have a big day Sunday. That's all I'm saying. And it's a short week. So For sure. I think one thing you really are going to have to watch out in this game, one thing that Carolina really likes to do their offense, you, know, you have Mike Davis, the runner, but then you right. have Mike Davis, the receiver out of the backfield. And they love going to him in the backfield. So far this year, he has uh, caught 23 balls for 146 yards. So you're going to have to watch out for him. And you, know, you had that double vision on him. Yeah, it's double so vision. So if Green Bay game was any indication of how they handle a running back out of the backfield, you know, that just goes to linebacker depth. I mean, that stat right there just screams linebacker depth to me. I mean, Deion yeah. Jones and Foyer Aluokun, he had – Foyer Aluokun had a play last week that, you know, I know we've talked uh, ad nauseum about Green Bay game, but in the Packers game, he had a play to stop a fourth down, uh, third down from happening – I think it was a second down play now that I'm thinking about it. But, you know, he just didn't wrap up and tackle. He just went for the shoulder hit and went for, um, I don't know, when, when frustrations happen like that on, a, on an ugly game that are, just feels like it's slipping away, um, the, the undisciplined play comes out even more and people try to do more than their job. And I think they might fall might fall prey to that again this this week is in, in, in trying to do more than their job. And so just loading up and trying to do too much. Uh, you get a couple guys back um, from the injury list. You're going to get AJ Terrell back from COVID. You'll get, um, it's looking like you might get the two safeties back, Ricardo Allen and, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Keanu Neal. And, um, and I think Julio is trying to play. Dude, I would not – I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing, man. Listen, they might just be playing coy and playing whatever, but I would put him on the shelf, and I wouldn't even touch him with a 10-and-a-half-foot pole. I would probably just send him home and tell him to quarantine. Just – I don't know. I, I would just let him heal. I'm with you on that. I wouldn't play Julio anymore. First of all, you don't have much to play for. Second of all, you're risking a career-ending injury if you just keep on going with him. He's got that hamstring – let him nurse it for a few games. If you want to bring him back, then if you have a mutual decision that you come to between the wide receiver and the coaches, then put him back in. But otherwise, just don't change. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, and then, um, so kind of like another like maybe a key to the game on a positive note. If we're if we're trying to win, <clears throat> which I think, you know, I think players, I think it's a misconception with with fans, the people who sit in our seat, and people who you know whatever, write articles for a living. It, they talk about tanking, and we talk about tanking all the time. But, I mean, once you're between the, once you're between the, the hashes and you got them laced up, I, I don't, you don't play the tank. You play out there, you give effort. Because you're putting tape on, even if your season is over, you're putting tape on maybe for your next contract or whatever. So, like, players, we're going to see what the players are made of, on, like, with max effort here and – see if they really want this or not true but the the motivations are completely different for both teams you know you have the Atlanta Falcons they're sitting there at 0 and 4 mentally they have to feel at this point our season's over we really don't have any chance at the playoffs meanwhile you have the Carolina Panthers who have surprised everybody after starting off 0 and 2 they've won two in a row yeah and they're just sitting a game back in their division yeah for sure talking about you know just the Panthers playing with house money 
and 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 the Falcons could even have the mentality of maybe not even so much that it's like the, they could just on the flip side of that coin is say hey we could play spoiler, you know we could throw them under five hundred we could get back on the on the on the wagon here, but like you said I think um, it's starting to become an albatross albatross of a question of when is Dan Quinn going to get fired? Like everybody who ever gets interviewed now that has a Falcon logo on their clothing is getting asked the question, when is it happening? And you know what? It might not have happened last week um, because it was a short business week. Maybe that's the reason. And, you know, Arthur Blank's also been occupied with um, Atlanta United. They're trying to get back on the the winning streak. They're they're I mean, they're sniffing the playoffs right now. So and they're they're making moves. So maybe he's been busy with that. Maybe he you know Arthur Blank. I'm given the reasons of why Dan Quinn hasn't been fired yet. I'm I'm trying to well. Get you. Arthur Blank needs to stop micromanaging everything and just let the people who we hire to do stuff do it. And because if you don't trust them with it, then Why'd you hire him in the first place? Get new people if you need to. That's what he's going to have to do. Yes, I I, I totally I, I agree with you on that. And I was just trying to I don't know. So um, put a spin on it. Why we haven't fired Dan Quinn? Why we haven't fired Dan Quinn yet? I mean, I don't know if I really buy the short week. I mean, I say if you're just going to do it at this point, do it. I mean, I'm all for. Like I said, I've never been an advocate for it anyway. And I don't like paying people to do stuff. <laughs> well, I don't like paying people not to do stuff that you paid them to do in the first place. Like, don't fire them in the, in the very beginning of the season and then still have to pay them the rest of their contract. I hate doing that. But in this case, because Arthur Blank is who he is, he's brought back Dan Quinn multiple times now, brought back Thomas Dimitrov. Gosh, in 12 years as a general manager, he's probably brought him back at least eight times. Yeah. I mean, he's got to end it. Yeah, so – um, I look for so a couple couple keys to look for in the game that I I, I not expect to see but I hope to see. We're at that point now of the season where I these are the things that could possibly happen because they're good enough, you know. So a Calvin really or number one Calvin really get back on track. I mean mm-hmm. he was I mean ca- I mean going from catchless to zero yards. I mean, back on track could be three targets for 45 yards. But I look for him to have a monster day if the Falcons can even – because I think they'll be able to – if the play calling isn't vanilla, and you know me, uh, I'm back to that. But if the play calling is at least decent, then they could have, you know, a bounce back game offensively. Now, stopping people is different, but, like, offensively, I look for them to be better, Calvin Ridley to be better. I think – Maybe even get Hayden Hurst involved. There's a lot of things to say, like with that, like oh, get the running game involved. It's all the positive things, but I think Calvin really is the more likely of all of those things to happen. Um, do you have any keys to what you think could happen? Like, how do you see this game going? Well, I think you had to look at some of the intangibles that really don't have anything to do with the players that are on the teams now. Yeah, I think history does mean something just because it, history is destined to repeat itself so often. So, you know, Carolina's not good in Atlanta. They never have played well in Atlanta for the most part. They're 6-19 and 
when they come to either the Georgia Dome or Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Hmm. So that's something kind of to look at. And the Panthers haven't won in Atlanta since that fateful game back in 2014 where they beat Atlanta 34-3 to win the division and send Mike Smith back. So that's been six years. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a thing, too. Um, the Falcons have won five in a row overall against them. So it's been a little over two years since they've even beaten you at all. So they're motivated to beat you because of that. And last matchup, the Falcons blew them out. But, that, that you know, Carolina last year was a much worse team than what they are this year. We beat them 40-20 to 20 last year. So I think those intangibles are going to be important, too. Yeah, and then, like you said, maybe not bad blood, but, you know, the rivalry game, you get up for your rival, even if it's – like we said earlier, Falcons up, the Panthers are down, it's always a tough game. Um, or not always a tough game, but, like, in a divisional has a propensity to be a tough game. But – um Oh, I had something to say. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, you were talking about uh, the history of, of, of Mike Smith being – that's what I wanted. That's terrible. Uh, so, Mike Smith, you know, got 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 the axe because of that game. Well, Thomas Dimitrov was still the general manager of that team. Yes, he was. And that, that stuck out to me. I was like, are you serious right now? That's crazy looking into that. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Are, um, are they going to have fans in the stands? Yeah, I think this is the first game that they're going to have fans. They they had um, in the last game with the Bears, they had 500 people in the stands for that, and that was just like family members and stuff. It was just a test run for them. And this week they're going to have maybe 14,000, 15,000 in the stands. I doubt if that many people will actually show up. But it's open to fourteen or fifteen thousand people. Fourteen to fifteen thousand. I mean, it's, we're gonna stay on like, you know, crowd capacity, and it's kind of re- relevant for the dogs. But did you see the dogs game? In I San did. Sanford Stadium. Well, I mentioned to my wife the other night when we were watching it. I said, you know, it looks like there's a lot more than twenty-two thousand people here. I said. Yeah, I think they really looks like there's about 50,000 here. Yeah. And then I saw other uh, posts on Facebook later on from people who actually went to the game, and they said, well, you know, it, it really was spread out pretty well, but the student section, they were all packed in together. Oh, my gosh. So, and, but then they would, like, separate after the TV cameras were off. So, you know, they'd, like, try to get their little <laughs> time on go, go dogs, get that on TV, and then separate and go run. Yeah. Um, yeah, so – the Falcons have have overall we they've won five in a row against them. It's at home, so they got some intangibles there. But go looking at the numbers of how many yards, how many yards the Falcons give up uh, a game. I mean, we've gone over this stuff, but it's so they're so Teddy B, like you said earlier, has got over a thousand yards passing so far. He's averaging eight yes. yards of completion. He's having 300 yards a game. And how many touchdowns? Let's take a look. He's got four. Four got touchdowns. Four, four touchdowns. So, I mean, not stellar. Now, he has given up three picks, and um, he has been sacked eight times. So, uh, I don't – I talk about this all the time. But we just need to get a pass rush going uh, and get him uncomfortable because – while we talk about Teddy B being a starting quarter caliber quarterback this year and having a good year for him and having a stellar year, he is one of those quarterbacks that if you touch him early, 
that he will cough the ball up. And I know elite passers, the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson, you could bang bang them around all day, and they'll typically or you know have a tendency to protect the ball and can kind of refresh on a new play. But Teddy B is one of those guys that we've seen him in the past get rattled early in a game and, and, and make poor decisions. So, I mean, it's there. Uh, Grady Jarrett is going to play, I think, for sure. Marlon Davison, I think, is – I mean, hopefully get something out of him. And somebody posted something on Facebook. I, can't, I don't even know what it was, or, or Twitter, that uh, Dante Fowler's uh, got a real uh, Ray Edwards vibe around him. You remember Ray Edwards? I do. They went out and signed, like, the biggest, meanest-looking dude they could pick is Ray Edwards. And he was – I'm not – he – I don't know if he was a fit or what, but he just did not produce in the short time he was with the Falcons. And uh, they gave him big money, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, it just didn't pan out. The pass rusher extraordinaire, number 93, I believe. So, anyway. Yeah, you know, the thing to also watch out for in this game, you know, yeah, the Falcons need pass rush, but Teddy Bridgewater is pretty elusive. He's Carolina's third leading rusher at this point, too. And they, uh, yes. they run the ball a lot and through a lot of different ways. They like to do wide receiver reverses. There's all kinds of diverse ways they like to run their out. They're not vanilla like the Falcons are. So it's going to be really hard. Like, you have to really stay focused on the quarterback. If you, you don't mean- stay focused on the quarterback, there's all kinds of other ways they can beat you. You mean to tell me Joe Brady's an actual real offensive coordinator? Oh, yeah, man. He, he's absolutely a real offensive coordinator. He's the next hot guy in the NFL. He was only a hot guy in college football for a year. He was so hot that the NFL wanted him back. So, there you go. He's at Carolina now. Okay, speaking of the hot names. Speaking All right. Of, speaking I'm of, wanting to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean I, – I, we talked a little bit before the show, and I kind of teased it. So, Todd doesn't know what's about to come out my lips. But, yeah – it's really probably not even that groundbreaking because we talked about a lot of uh, franchise-changing moves in our last podcast in um, and uh, State of the Franchise episode. If you haven't heard that one, all right, listen to that one. Go check it out. It's a good one. Um, but this Falcons franchise needs a, a dramatic change, and just the city of Atlanta needs needs a coaching staff that looks like our city, that it, it embodies Atlanta, and so – here it is. Eric B. Enemy as the uh, offensive coordinator, or as the, excuse me, as the head coach. He is the offensive coordinator right now, currently for the Kansas City Chiefs. They get, okay. they get, um, Pat Mahomes is not a statue. He has the deep ball threat for sure, but he's not a statue. They get him out of the pocket, they get him on the run. He throws from a lot of weird platforms, he throws from a lot of weird angles and he uses that as you know a unique uh skill set that that he that um Patrick Mahomes has so I think Eric Bieniemy would be able to facilitate that out of somebody who has a similar skill set to to uh to Patrick Mahomes so I'm gonna stay with Justin Fields draft Justin Fields I mean this is all pie in the sky right now but I would, I would fire. This is the breaking groundbreaking stuff, because groundbreaking would be um, you'll have an um, an African American head coach 
and you would have an, an African-American quarterback since Mike Vick. And then um, because I think he didn't get a shot last year. I mean, I don't know why he didn't get a shot last year. He was the next hot guy. And nobody, he didn't get a shot as a head coach. So, and there's very few African-American head coaches and that's just the fact of it. So that would be a great thing for Atlanta, but pulling out of retirement, he's in the booth currently old helmet hair, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson will be my general manager. Jimmy Johnson. Why not? Well, he built, I mean, think of all, think of the the dynamic teams he built. Come on. I mean, yeah, you ran the whole thing. At at Dallas, he did, but dude, that's like, that's like a quarter. No, it's more than that. It's been almost 30 years since he actually built all that. I mean, and he really, Jimmy Johnson in Miami was a different story altogether. Like he was okay there, but Jimmy Johnson did not, produce that dynamic franchise that you want to produce. In fact, all I remember, this is just the coaching side of Jimmy Johnson. I remember the last game that he was the coach there, and he lost like 70 to three to the Jacksonville Jaguars or something. Something I never, yeah, something you never seen before, like just the craziest. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's like off the wall. You, he could come in here and he could just be this, the, just have this playground and he, but he's only the general manager and he can make the moves and he's bold enough. And I don't know. I just, I was talking to, I was talking to a guy at work today and I was like, Oh, you know what? That's probably a good idea. We, we kicked it around. It sounded good, but I mean, obviously I haven't done any research, his Fox contract and all that stuff or whatever. Well, trust doing. me, he's making so much money on Fox. He doesn't have to do much. So he has no interest in being a general manager at this point. I mean, all is, Jimmy Johnson, anyway, he's got to be in his 70s, right? Yeah, he, I mean, he looks good. I mean, though. you're talking – yeah, he does. He looks great, but I don't think that he's – I don't think I, that he's – You don't um, think he's a viable option? Not really. He's, dude, he's almost 80 years old. He, he's 77. I mean, I, I don't want to, like, say, let's discriminate against older people or anything, but, you know, I mean, it's like, what would you do with that? Because he would basically come in late. Uh, at 77 years old, how many years would he be around? Like, I mean, that's a many, question you have to ask yourself. How many years is Saban going to be around? I mean, people, you could coach for – I mean, dude, he's a, he's a general manager. It ain't like he's out there, you know, running running stairs with the boys. He's in the yeah, office. Yeah, but, but you have to be conscientious to be able to make decisions. So what if he ends up getting dementia or something? And, like, two years he forgets how to draft. We, we already have somebody who doesn't know how to draft now. That's that is that's a fair point. I would yeah. uh, I would counter with uh, <clears throat> the president of the United States is pretty old too. So I'm, we're not going to go there. We we can steer clear of all that. <laughs> we're talking that. we're talking sports here, we're right? Sports. But I'm just saying, like being old and having you know all your wits about you. I don't know. That would be a fun choice for me. Um, I just figured I'd bring it to the air. But the the, the change, uh, if they look bad. I say this every week, but if they look real bad against this resurging Panthers team, the scrappy team that likes to run the ball, that likes to just keep it balanced and, and mix mix up their, their looks, it's the communication on defense that's going to get him got. It's going to be the pitiful blowouts that, 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 that ensue that's going to get him got. And um, I don't know. I think uh, – so- Go ahead. I, 
I want to go back to this other conversation you were having because I'm still all right. So, do you have a general manager? Like, you have the general manager, but do you have a president name? You said something about a president name before we went on air too. Do you have a president name as well? No, I I thought I did, but I'm not I'm not ready for that yet. My what Johnson's, about but, what about D coordinator? A D coordinator, I um. I had him in my oh my gosh I had him in my phone but no I don't I can't think of it right now but I'll have I'm actually putting my show notes together for our next episode uh, next Tuesday uh, I think we've settled on a on a schedule for Rise Up Radar I, I kind of want to put that into the airwaves too is um, we've we've started recording so we'll record and uh, publish our episodes every Tuesday and Thursday and so guys listening that uh, Tuesday. Tuesday night and, and Thursday night will be our recording times so, so that you'll be able to, you know, I'll put them out at probably like midnight, I mean, honestly, but uh, you'll be able to in the morning to get, get caught up on your, on your Falcons talk on Wednesday mornings and, uh, and Friday mornings. So um, I didn't mean to tease that too hard, but um, I, I'm still looking to build our team out. I'm still, I'm pretty set on, um, you know, I've, I'm becoming Arthur Blank right now so I'm, I'm researching my guys i thought jimmy johnson would 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 be a good find but uh i don't know if todd i got todd's stamp of approval on that one mm, no not really i just i just feel like he has not been involved and in, i mean when was he was miami's head coach it was like what, bill 2000 2001 bill cowers bill cower is i said to, for coach not for gm that's worse dude no it's, it's not it's not it's not worse it Look, is worse yeah, it's not worse. I mean, he hasn't been – okay, it's true. He hasn't been a coach since, what, 2008 yeah. eight or something like that. It, it's one of those years. I think Bill – that's Bill the communication it. part. You have to be able to connect with – I mean, you're if you're about to draft a rookie, you're talking about a 20-year-old or however old they'll be, 23-year-old. you got to be able to communicate with him. Dude. Yeah, yeah, there's a big difference here, though. Jimmy Johnson is seventy-seven years old. Bill Cowher is sixty-three years old. So okay, well, I big, thought he was older big, okay. big, big difference there. I, sixty-three can still relate to today's players. Seventy-seven years old, it's like, hey, Grandpa, give me a lollipop. You know that, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, yes. Okay, so back to the drawing board. I will come up with some more names. I promise. I will. I will have probably three candidates. At every position, I, I've, I've, uh, I'm going to do my research this year, this week. And I was, all right, so let's do this. Let's, you do some research, Todd. I'll do some research and um, try to have, we're going to, we're going to need, we need a president because I'm doing it. Let's, we're going to need a president and I'll, i at least two or three options. Don't, you know, if we only get one, it's fine because president's kind of a niche thing. It's kind of hard to find one of them. So we want to do a couple options for everybody. We want to do a president. We need an OC, a DC, and we need a head coach and okay. a GM and a GM. So that's five. You got five names to research and we need a couple names per, per position. Per position. Yeah. Gotcha. Let's do that. That'll right. be fun. That, and uh, we could make fun of each other's list. Um, sure. I really thought Jimmy Johnson would have been a slam dunk, but now I'm thinking about it. That's uh, maybe not so much. I mean, I'm not really always a, a big proponent either of guys who coach being front. I know Jimmy Johnson did a lot of that when he was with Dallas, and he, he led that franchise in great shape. As soon as he left, you know, they had um, 
was that guy from Oklahoma? Barry Switzer. He was their head coach for a little while. And they were good, but they weren't – like won a Super Bowl with them. But then suddenly, like, the bottom fell out and they didn't win another playoff game for, you know, 20 years. Have they even won one yet? Have they won a playoff game yet? I think they won one. Yeah, I, I used to, I remember Roma holding that ball. It was hilarious. Um, yeah. Are you saying that you, you are against the G, the – the GM and the uh, the GM and the coach at the same time. Are you against that? Yes, I don't really like that because I, I feel like it's just a little bit too much to do. I, I don't really. I I'm not a big a proponent of coaches making personnel decisions. They let Dan Quinn do some of that, and that hasn't worked out real well either. Like they let him pick pretty much his defensive players that he wanted, and I think that's worked out horribly. So no, I, I don't like that. I think that's what I mean. I think that's what uh, Gary got Gary Kubiak too. No, no, dadgummit. Uh Texas, uh, Houston. Not Gary Kubiak. Doggone it! What's the guy's name? Bill O'Brien. Not even close to being K- Gary Kubiak. I think Bill Kubiak O'Brien was there was, before. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think uh, Bill O'Brien was the president or the GM and the coach as well. So. Yeah, I heard a story about him today. The ESPN had published something about him and Watts had like had a big on-field dispute, and they were cussing each other and hollering each other, and that may have led to the decision. They said after that he lost the locker room, and so well, they I think mean, that probably led to him being fired. Yeah, he is the heart and soul of that team. You can't just badmouth JJ Watt and expect to walk away Scott clean, Scott free. So, um, yeah. Okay, Todd, what's up? Before we get out of here, we need some. Uh, I'm not even gonna worry about the positivity, man. What's uh, what, what uh, we need a score prediction though. Before we get score out of predictions, here. we need to start okay. writing these down. Can I write? Let me, let me take this down. Well, I remember what mine was last week. Last week, my prediction was 59 to 31, uh, Green Bay over Atlanta, and I didn't even get close to that. So, but I was right about Green Bay winning the game. So mine yes. last week, I remember mine last week too. Mine was uh forty two to forty two to thirty eight uh Falcons on top. And I was close to one of those scores, um, but I did not have the the right person winning the game. So uh, I was totally wrong and I suck at that one. So You went with your heart. I went with realism. Okay, thanks, Todd. Um <laughs> Sweet. What are friends for? So, all right, Todd, Mr. Realism, hit me with a score prediction here. Um, what are they averaging a game? What What's what's uh, Carolina's points per game average here? I can't okay, so Carolina stats. points per game. I got it right here. Right. They are averaging 24.8 points per game. Okay, so not a lot of points, which is hilarious to say in 2020. Dude, if you just told, if you just told me that like six, seven years ago, like 24 points a game, you're like, hey, you know what? Pretty good. Now 24 points is like laughable. Like, ah, 24. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, people are – offenses are scoring at a, an incredible clip right now. So. Well, I have yet to see the Falcons play an opponent, though, who actually runs the ball less than the Falcons. And definitely with the Carolina Panthers, they run the ball decently. They're, like, right there in the middle of the pack. Uh, they're at um, 116 yards per game. The Falcons are almost right at 100 now. They they fell way back yeah. after that Green Bay game. So, it, I still like the team that runs the ball better most of the time. All right. Uh, Todd, give me your score predictions. 
All right, so I think the Falcons are going to play with some heart this week. They are going to come out against their rival, the Carolina Panthers. But it's just not going to quite be enough. I think Carolina's going to win 26-21, to 21, snapping that the Falcons' five-game winning streak. Okay. Um, I feel the same – I feel the same way um, that the Falcons – will uh, find a new way to lose. They'll get a couple more injuries. Um, they'll get some more penalties, um, some blown coverages. There are going to be some gimme points in this game. Some, wait a minute, we were supposed to cover that guy points. And um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking they're going to go over their uh, their scoring average. I'm going to go 27-17 Carolina. I think they yep. get the, the running game going and some play action miscommunication happens and they get a freebie, a 40-yard freebie. Maybe even Teddy B breaks out and, man, everybody's got their back to the court, quarterback and Teddy B has a 60-yard run or something. Uh, so, I don't know. So, that's my score prediction. You had – what was yours again? Sorry. 26-21 to 21 Carolina. 26-21 and mine was 27-17. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Falcons fans, um, just remember, it's around the corner. Everybody, hang on. Some major, I, you know, I said I could sound like I'm just like spinning it for Arthur Blank, but um, I think Arthur knows, and I think uh, you got to give this franchise hope, right? Like, you got to give the people something that tells you, tells the audience or you know your fan base that hey, we hear you. And we we want to change this too. We are not. This is unacceptable. That I I just want to hear them say this is unacceptable. We're changing it. We're fixing it. So, um, Todd. So so before we leave the airwaves, hit it. When do you think it's going to be? You want to make a prediction? You talked about this the other night. Let's make a prediction yeah. of when Dan Quinn's going to get fired. Um. So this is week. Uh. Well, here's another part too. You know, just on a real note that. There's some like real COVID stuff happening with with the uh, with Tennessee, and I'm hoping yeah that... Tennessee had another player test positive See, um, yeah. today, so they're talking about right now moving Tennessee's game back to either Monday or Tuesday night. It shouldn't be played on the weekend schedule, but because they've already lost a game, they lost a game last week. Uh, they weren't able to play it because yeah, of COVID, that, and Texas had a big crisis. That was postponed, and I think they're going. They didn't follow their protocols, and there is strong chatter that they will forfeit their next game because they did not. Uh, yeah, the NFL is investigating that right, right now to see if they violated. It. Apparently, they worked out. Uh, they were in a, and they weren't supposed to be working out together, and they did it anyway. And so, the NFL's talking about coming there and investigating, maybe find them, maybe make them forfeit a game. And there's a lot of options on the table there. And I, you know, and I've heard too, that they're just going to, they can, um, they want to, they want to pause the entire season for two to three weeks and push the Super Bowl to March. Well, maybe they should, because right now you can't really afford for one team to lose two games like that. And if it to Pittsburgh and, um, it's affected Minnesota a little bit. They've still been able to play their games, but it's affected them also. Right. Um, you know, you really have affected Kansas City and New England this week. They were able to play their game 
thankfully, yeah, but, but they had to play it on Monday night instead of Sunday. Right. So, I, so. I, I, I think, you know, I don't know if we're making predictions here. I think they'll – I don't know if I could see – the, the NFL making such a big, bold move as, you know, we're just going to pause everybody. I mean, the, the the MLB on the fly did, you know, they saw all the outbreaks. And the MLB just without even, like, just slipped it in there. It's like, oh, by the way, they just typed up an email over the night and just sent it, sent it to everybody and said, by the way, everybody get ready for a bubble in the playoffs. We're making it happen. Get ready for it. I mean, and that was, like, less than half of the season gone, like, more than half of the season gone, like, so I don't know if the the uh, the NFL wasn't prepared for this or like what the plan was, but you know. How well, I, I think for the most part, it's worked really. It's just you have a couple teams that it, it seems to really be affected. I mean, in New England's case, it was just one player; it didn't really infiltrate over the entire team. With Tennessee, though, it was like it was running wild. It was, yeah, I mean, what, eight, sixteen players, sixteen was, staff members, yeah, or something know, like that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So, um, so prediction for Mr. Blank firing. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, the bye week. I'll say week 10, uh, 10. uh, November the 9th. I'll give you a specific day right after the uh, Denver Broncos game. I think we'll go ahead and can him. Um, We'll see. What's the schedule look like? Next week's Minnesota. Next week's Minnesota. Then you play the Lions. Then you play the Panthers again. Then you play the Broncos. So that gives you another uh, five games, really, including this weekend. Yeah, I don't think he makes it to the bye week anymore. That was my prediction in the beginning was the bye week because it just makes the most sense. But uh, let's see. Do we have any uh... – yeah, I'm going to go – They look. They take. I'm going to go two weeks. I'm going to go uh, after the Minnesota game. They're going to lay down against Minnesota – Maybe even get shut out, something like that. You know, a three-point affair, um, and then we're going to go Minnesota ten eighteen. Well, be so the next day would be ten nineteen. So I mean, that's on the spot, and I think, and I really would have liked to do. I it makes the most sense in my brains, in my brain cells. The most sense is the bye week. Get yourself two weeks to get your get your act together. Send out all the emails you got to, and get get the boys on on page with the new head coordinator or the new head coach, Raheem Morris, and um, not Dirk Cutter, and uh, you go from there. But uh, if it goes, if it's trending as it's atrociously necessary right now to make a change because you're losing fans. And I know Falcons fans are Falcons fans. We're still recording this podcast. I mean, you know, so fans are fans, but it's just, it's the, the optics of negligence is what you don't want any more than you already have. And so that's what's going to ultimately pressure uncle Arthur to drop the hammer on Dan Quinn in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think he's already waited too long anyway. What he really should have done is he should have fired Dan Quinn after week three against the Bears. I think after back-to-back collapses, that was the perfect time to go ahead and just do it. He should have I fired think Dan that would have been. I think that would have satisfied. You would have got your pound of flesh from the media. You would have got the media storm in the beginning. Good riddance. The fans would have felt better. The fans would have felt like Uncle Arthur's on our side. You know, he's listening 
but now it feels a little deaf, a little tone deaf here, and it feels a little like it doesn't matter anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it just feels, really does feel like negligence at this point. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we don't typically like to end on the pot negative side, but you know what? That just means there's changes are around the corner. Todd, you got anything else to add to for the people? Just remember that negative is being real right now. We're being real. It's a real it's a real time to be a Falcons fan. And you're gonna see who the real fans are because when this team has turned it around in one year, like Todd has predicted, or a year and a half or so like some other people have predicted with Justin Fields at the helm and or Trevor Lawrence at the helm or just a revamp, whatever. It's going to feel good again soon. But right now, we're in a little bit of a dark time with the Falcons. Just stick with us. We'll report the Falcons all year long, no matter what, even if we go defeated. Um, Just stick with us. And uh, if you like what you heard tonight, go ahead and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. It's a good follow. Rise Up Radar. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, Falcons fans, until next time, rise up. (laughs) 